ESPN recently came out with a survey and they suggested that the Denver Broncos edge rusher position is the team's biggest weakness. We share whether or not we agree, we disagree. We take a look at other positions on offense and defense on today's brand new episode, Locked on Broncos. You are locked on Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Broncos country? Welcome into a brand new episode of Locked On Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Is the edge rusher position for the Broncos the weakest on the team coming into this season? A very, very interesting point. We'll debate and discuss on today's episode of the show. I'm your host, as always, Cody Rourke, Broncos reporter for Mile High Sports. Joined alongside, as always, by my co-host, Sarah Benninger, site expert, predominantlyorange.com. Thank you so much, Broncos country, for tuning in, making us your first listen of the day every single day for all your Broncos news, analysis, coverage, and more. Whether you watch for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast, we have you covered every single day. So make sure you subscribe or you follow so you never miss out on any day's worth of Broncos content coverage and more. We got you covered here. Lockdown Broncos. Sarah, yesterday's episode of the show for all the everydayers out there, we talked about what ESPN had said about the Broncos offensive tackle position being the team's biggest strength. We debated that a little bit. And so we got to look at the counterpart here because they did analyze and proclaim that the edge rusher position for the team is their biggest weakness. Let's debate. Let's discuss. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Is there more meat on the on the bones to be able to discuss here? Well, I think the injury to Baron Browning certainly plays into maybe, I guess, I don't know if ESPN was factoring that in or if they're saying, hey, even if Baron Browning is healthy, this is the weakest position group on the team. I don't know exactly where I land with this, Cody, because I, I think there's a certain element of like, you have to consider potential at least a little bit when you're talking about what you determine is the strength or weakness of a roster around the NFL. You got to kind of look at, okay, they, they just added this guy or this guy had a really good second season, or this is where uh, a player like Randy Gregory has been at his best when he's at his best in the NFL. And if he plays at his best, is this still the weakest position group on the team? That's where I kind of land in this kind of purgatory of like, well, yeah, I guess based on last year, Randy Gregory's injuries, Baron Browning currently potentially starting the year on PUP, that kind of leads me to agree in a way to say, yeah, the edge position could be the worst on the roster. But in terms of talent, is it the worst on the roster right now? I just I don't know if I agree with that, Cody. I think you and I have talked about this and you've made a great point. Like maybe this year's edge position is what we thought last year's off ball linebacker position was going to be, where it was like question mark, question mark, injury, question mark, you know, underwhelming free agent signing. It's very, very eerily similar this offseason at the edge spot. So is it the worst position group on the team? I think if you consider injuries and the potential availability of some guys, it could be. But at the same time, there's a lot of potential for this group to be arguably one of the best. I think it's a valid and fair point. And, and I'll read off here what ESPN said. I, like I said, I don't know who which Clay it was, but it was someone Clay. It could be Mike Clay. Says edge rusher Randy Gregory has flashed at times, but the seven-year veteran has managed one full season in 2018, has yet to clear six sacks in a single campaign, and played just 177 snaps in six games in 2022. Frank Clark's arrival helps, though the veteran hasn't cleared six sacks in a season since 2019. Baron Browning, Jonathan Cooper, and Nick Benito are next up on the depth chart. 
he didn't really go into detail here as to maybe why. And I think when you put it into context, once again, we get into the metric about sacks and looking at sacks as the end-all be-all. Sacks are very valuable. Sacks are what we call drive stoppers, play stoppers. But we're talking about pressures as well. Pressures don't get highlighted enough. And so for Randy Gregory, while he didn't have the sacks that he, you know, he had initially, you know, a year prior with the Dallas Cowboys, he had a lot of pressures during his time when he was active last year with the Broncos. Frank Clark, maybe he doesn't get as many sacks, but what does his pressure rate look like? What is his pressure rate win percentage? Oh, we even talk about Baron Browning when he comes back. He had a ridiculous amount of pressures last season for the Broncos. Jonathan Cooper as well. So for me, I think it's kind of, it's missing all of the context of it, but you're certainly right. This is a position group right now. When you look at it all across the board on the roster, you just have question marks because you're just not sure what you're going to get, but you do have an idea. And I think the Broncos think the same thing right here because they have not brought anybody else in. They have not made any other moves considering Barron's injury, which by the way, if you follow him on social media, he posted a video of him going through his rehab process on his Instagram he, he looks at like he's making tremendous progress from where he's at. He's doing some things that I didn't know, you know, based on how far out he's been that he'd be able to do. So fingers crossed there for Broncos country. I, I think to the point that you made edge, it may be the perceived weakness on this team, just because we simply do not know. We have more questions right now than we have answers. And look, Hey, if Randy Gregory, I want to make this point very clear here. Randy Gregory didn't participate in training camp last year. You have to get into football conditioning shape. The fact that he didn't participate in all of training camp, played in week one, played throughout four weeks, and in those four weeks was very impressive, then got hurt. I want to see what Randy Gregory is going to be like once he gets a full training camp, if he stays healthy and gets that football conditioning that's necessary that unfortunately so many guys did not have last year. Maybe that impacts the injury side of things. How does Bo Lowry's new role as VP of player health and performance, how does that help change things in terms of the optics of guys staying healthy. To me, Sarah, that's a huge thing. I want to maybe follow along here as it pertains to this position specifically because, hey, you're going to need these guys if you're going to win this season. Let's say, Cody, let's say the Broncos get 12 to 14 or more games out of every player in their edge group. Do you think that still ends up being the worst position group on the team? Like, that's... That's where I kind of land in that, like, okay, I'm shifting over from, yeah, I can see where you're coming from of this being maybe the worst position on the team to then being like, well, but at the same time, you're wrong because it's not. It's if if every single one of these guys, and I know that's a big if, and yes, this is the time of year to be talking about big ifs. This is the time of year to be talking about potential. This is the time of year to be dreaming of what could be if all of these guys at the edge position play 12 to 14 or more games for the Broncos, 12 at a minimum. Let's just say 12 games at a minimum. That's only five games missed, which, I mean, for a guy like Randy Gregory, that would be really good in terms of what we've seen from him in in his NFL career. If they're able to play 12 or more games this season, look, I, I think this edge position has the potential to be maybe bordering on dominant because you have guys that can do so many different things, right? You have Randy Gregory who brings that speed, length that tenacity off the edge and he can do those kind of like you said drive stopping or really game changing things like we saw in dallas the broncos weren't the only team that offered him 70 million dollars last offseason the dallas cowboys announced on their twitter that they had signed him to a new deal before they didn't so this is he's a good player he's really really good and he's really impactful when he's out there on the field pretty similar deal with frank clark right it's like like you said 
well, you're not seeing those sack numbers from Frank Clark, but at the same time, he's getting pressures. He's able to set the edge. He can make those game-changing plays in clutch moments. So that's where I really differ on this, is if you're getting, if you're getting healthy play out of all these guys off the edge, I can't really sit here and say that I think it's the biggest weakness. But injuries considered, I think there is an argument to be made. Well, and, you know, for me, I, I don't feel like edge is the biggest weakness right now on the defensive side of the ball. And that's going to lead us directly into our next conversation on today's episode of Locked On Broncos. We're going to highlight which positions or areas on defense do we feel like are the biggest weakness? Is it edge rusher? Is it another position? I'll share my thoughts. Sarah will share his as well. Broncos country, we want you to share yours as well. If you're watching on YouTube, comment on the video. If you're listening wherever you get your podcast, be sure to tweet us on social media at Cody Rourke NFL, at Sarah Bettinger, at Locked On Broncos. You also catch us on threads now as well. You'll get that on today's episode, Locked On Broncos. This episode of the show is brought to you by our friends over there, FanDuel Sportsbook. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets whether you win or lose. That's 200 that you can spend betting on everything from the money line to the over-under in a game to who you think is going to be the first home run hitter of a matchup in Major League Baseball. You get all that on an app that's safe, that's secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. That's one benefit of FanDuel. You don't have to wait days to get it. They pay you instantly after everything concludes there. And if you want to get into some NFL futures, the Broncos' win total and said of an over and under is around eight and a half. Do you think the Broncos are going to exceed that? Do you think they're going to fall up short of that? You can play the action there at FanDuel Sportsbook as well. There's no better place to bet on MLB or the NFL than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball and the National Football League. Well, if we're not rocking with ESPN's rankings and what they deem to be the weakest position on the Denver Broncos defense, then what is? What is the weakest position right now on the Denver Broncos roster defensively. And what do you think for, for you listeners out there, comment below. What do you think is the biggest weakness defensively for the Broncos and why do you agree with ESPN or are you going to agree with Cody and I who have our own picks for what could be the weakest position defensively for the Denver Broncos. And I'm going to throw it to you, Cody first. What do you think if, I think ESPN has a compelling argument with the edge position. We talked about that in the first segment, but if not the edge spot, what is the weakest position right now on the Denver Broncos defense? Well, I think the term too, because I think when we talk about weakest or, or biggest strength, I think so many people think that we feel like, you know, they may interpret that language as, well, they don't have good players. I don't think that's the case. I just think that when we talk about strengths or weaknesses, we might have more answers at one position than we do another. So like for us, for Sarah and I breaking it down here on today's episode of the show, we're looking at it from the standpoint where we feel like there are a lot of question marks at a certain position. Not necessarily this guy doesn't play well. This guy isn't a good player. We don't we don't dive into any of that stuff there. That that stuff is not relevant to the conversation here. Uh, but for me, I would say looking at it, look, there's plenty of question marks as we have discussed here on the show at Edge Rusher. But for me, I want to take a look into your defensive lineman and basically in the Broncos three four scheme, I view this necessarily as DND tackle in terms of the interior defensive line, considering the base structure there of the defense. So for me, I look at that position right now and look, hey, they acquired Zach Allen this offseason, which I think is a fantastic pickup. And he's obviously going to have to be 
one of the players that we've talked about for all you everydayers out there as emerging into a foundational piece for the Broncos defense. He's a guy that not only can get sacks on the quarterback, but have a high pressure rate, which could lead to more takeaways. It's an important metric that we're going to follow and we're going to harp on it all season long here on the show. But uh, aside from that, look, you, you have DJ Jones, who we think is a fantastic player. You have Mike Purcell. He's entering the final year of his deal, Sarah. Really outside of that, what have we seen? Like last year, DJ Jones played through some injuries. He missed two games last year. So it wasn't necessarily something where you're like, oh, you know, they signed him and he missed all these games. No, he played injured through a lot of those games and, you know, tough, tough player, but missed the final two games of the season here for the Broncos. Mike Purcell's had his share of injuries throughout the years. And, you know, but he's been an Ironman for them. He's been a guy who's been around for several coaching staffs here with the Denver Broncos. But aside from all that, I just feel like behind those guys, there are right now, we don't really know. Like with Sean Payton saying that Frank Clark is an outside linebacker, who is the other starting defensive end? Or is it going to be Mike Purcell, DJ Jones, Zach Allen? I mean, that's not a bad lineup, but behind those guys, so many question marks about whether or not Inyoma Uazarike or Matt Henningsen can take the, you know, the jump forward here this upcoming season. It's a lot to ask a second year player to, hey, you're going to start right away here at defensive end. You're going to have to, you're going to be expected to produce player development is different, but maybe some guys rise up. Maybe some guys don't, but behind them, it's like you're an injury or two away from being in dire straits. A lot of question marks. You have PJ Mustafa, Jonathan Harris, Elijah Garcia, Jordan Jack. You have some guys there, but they're all widely unproven at this point. And I think to me, that is where the question mark comes in, which is why I'm choosing interior defensive line as really kind of the biggest positional weakness right now because of all the question marks that they have there. And I'm in complete agreement with you on that as well, just because of what you just said. You said they're one or two injuries away from X, Y, or Z happening. And let's just say, obviously, you're counting on your highest paid players to contribute. You're you're counting on them to be on the field and available and all those sorts of things. But stuff happens at the NFL. We've seen that over recent, especially for the Denver Broncos in recent years. We've seen stuff happens in the NFL but you talk about maybe an injury to Zach Allen or DJ Jones. If if that were to happen, I think the Broncos would then be in a position where they would have to go out and, and get somebody to, to help, like a veteran yeah. that could come in and play. Whereas at other positions on this defense, can you really say that? I, I think at the edge spot, you're. I would love to see the Broncos add another edge in free agency anyway because there's some really good ones available for cheap. But if you suffer an injury to Randy Gregory, you've got Jonathan Cooper now to pair with Frank Clark or down the line, you'll have, you know, Baron Browning again and, and so on and so forth. If you suffer an injury at inside linebacker, let's say Josie Jewell goes down. Well, Jonas Griffith can step up or rookie Drew Sanders could step up. There's a couple guys there at cornerback. Let's you, you have an injury to the nickel. K1 Williams gets hurt. Well, then he's saying Bassey's going to step in or maybe Riley Moss or, you know, there's, there's depth at all these positions, and especially safety, which you and I talked about. Safety could be the strongest position group on this roster. So you look at D-line, that's like you mentioned. If somebody goes down, it's a bunch of question marks behind those guys. And it's not necessarily just to say you're lacking depth. That's why it's the weakest position on the roster. But it's you, you haven't really invested a ton or, or you missed on guys in the draft, like McTelvin Aguim, who was a miss in the 2020 draft, who should still be under contract this year as a third round pick. So you miss on some players. You, you don't have quite the depth that you would want to have. I think that ultimately leads to this position group being that it's mostly unproven behind the top guys, very top heavy, very concerning. If one of those top guys would go down. 
Well, let's take it to Twitter now, too, because we got some responses from the avid listeners and watchers here in Broncos country about this, whether or not they agree or disagree. The edge rusher is the biggest positional weakness for the team here. And, and looking at it here, uh, the fake UR29 says, I'd say interior defensive line is bigger weakness. He and I, you know, we're all in agreement on that, as we've talked about here. Jolene, an avid listener, says this is a tough question. There are some studs for pass rushers off the edge for the Broncos, but there are also concerns for health games. Also started in the 2022 season. Clark started in 15, Cooper 9, Baron Browning 8, Chubb played in 8 before getting traded. Randy Gregory started three games, and then you had Benito starting one game overall, and then you had a bunch of guys on IR. Uh, and aside from that, we got a couple other responses from 5-3-0 Broncos. I think it can be the biggest weakness if we have injuries or guys that don't perform like they're projected to. All fair points in which we've discussed here on the show. Nick George says definitely, especially considering the health of the room, I, I think overall here, you made some great points about the other positions and why I think defensively you look at it and like, yeah, that's definitely not a weakness here for this team. Unprovenness, I, I think, is something we're looking for. See, and that's why I love the preseason. Okay, this upcoming time that we're going to have with training camp in the preseason, this is where you and I, and I think the, the real diehards, because we see some people say, oh, I hate the preseason. I don't like watching it. It's not fun. No, we don't get to see stars play too much. I understand that. But this is important because you need to know who your depth, who your guys that you can count on. If your starters go down the regular season, hey, these young guys here, they can step up and they can play. They can have an impact. You need to be able to see that. So for me, I think during preseason, I'm really keeping my eye on the defensive line and all these guys that they have there that are young, that are question marks. And I think this applies for every position that maybe has question marks, including edge rusher. How do these guys perform? Does this give them insight into the fact that, okay, hey, maybe we need to go out there and make another roster move because, hey, look, Sean Payton has said it. During training camp, during the preseason, you're not just evaluating your 90-man roster. You're looking at everybody else's 90-man roster around the NFL, and you're monitoring the waiver wire for potential prospects You know, because your pro, pro personnel and your scouting department, they have all the data that they need on certain guys. So I think that there's a system that they have. If one guy gets cut in, uh, from some team, they, they ping it. like they, I think they have a priority list. They have a, a really advanced analytic system. I can't even explain how crazy it is from the things I've been told about it. But for me, you have to evaluate what you have in-house because, hey, you, know, you can go out there and sign a guy right now, but is he going to come in and know the defense right away? Like There's an acclimation period that has to be discussed when talking about maybe, hey, we don't like the depth at this position. We have question marks here. Go get this guy. Like the, Some of those guys are nice on paper, but can they fit? Can they be a scheme fit? Are they a locker room fit? Are they a culture fit? Like these are the other things that we talk about as well that are important and that George Payton and Sean Payton value in terms of their team building process here with the Broncos. So Broncos country, we're always eager for your thoughts. Let us know if you agree with us, disagree with us, share it in the comment section down below on the defensive side of the ball, which position group is the biggest weakness on the team because of question marks and other factors. Drop it in the YouTube comments or tweet us on social media. If you're listening, wherever you get your podcast. We're going to shift gears now to the offensive side of the ball. What is the biggest weakness for the Broncos on this team heading into the season from a positional standpoint on offense? You'll get that and much more on today's episode, Locked On Broncos. Real quick, make sure you go check out the Locked On NFL podcast for your second listen of the day. After this episode, make sure you go tune in to the local experts on the biggest stories. With training camp coming around the corner, there are storylines, there are position battles, there are key things to watch Around the NFL, Locked On NFL has you covered. You can watch it for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts.
On the offensive side of the ball, what is the biggest positional weakness heading into this upcoming season? Once again, the factors we consider here, not necessarily the number of players that they have, but are there a lot of question marks? Is the depth questionable? Are there injuries at that position that put things into focus here? The offensive side of the ball is an area where the Broncos have needed to improve drastically for the last, eh, probably say, decade or so here. But how does it factor in? projection-wise, this upcoming season. Thank you so much, Broncos Country, for tuning in, making us your first listen of the day every single day. We're so grateful for you that you take time out of your day to listen to us, to watch us talk all things Denver Broncos. We have covered every single day, all year long here, the Locked On Broncos podcast. Sarah, I want to open up to you here to kick off this final portion of today's episode of the show. When you look at the offensive side of the ball, in your opinion, and, and what factors kind of lead into it, do you believe maybe is the biggest weakness for this team so far heading into 2023. Well, Cody, I want to do my best to make as many friends as possible here. So I'm going to go <laughs> and say the quarterback position is currently the biggest area of weakness on this offensive side of the ball until proven otherwise. Look, I love Russell Wilson. I love what he brings to the table. I was a big fan of the acquisition. You and I rejoiced over the phone when the trade went down. I've stood by Russell Wilson Every episode of this show, giving critical you know, feedback when it was necessary, when there was opportunities to do so during the season, citing things that realistically need to change. But you look back at last season, it was clear that obviously coaching was maybe the biggest weakness on the team as a whole, but the quarterback play was just bad once again. And that's... Oh, uh, Russell Wilson played bad. What can we say? It was not good. And there were factors that led to that that weren't his fault. And there were factors in there that were his fault. And I think there has to be equally shared blame among everybody. Well, how, do you, how do we know for a fact that Russell Wilson knows that part of what happened last year was his fault? We know that for a fact because he's been out there changing his entire physique this offseason. He was clamoring to Sean Payton about getting into Denver and wanting the best coaching possible. Like people out there listening who, who think that anybody who's great at anything doesn't have a great coach, you're wrong. And if you think that you can just be inherently great at something without having somebody who, who knows more than you or who has been to the places that you want to go, that you can do those things without being led by somebody like that, you're wrong. And Russell Wilson needs people in his corner to help bring him up. He's he's had for as long as we know, he's had an entire team of people that help him, you know, just with his his on the mental side of things, on the physical side of things, and the health and nutrition. Like he has all these different people in his life that help him be better. And that's why I think he is going to be better. But look, I don't think there's any denying the quarterback position was a huge area. If the quarterback position was better for the Denver Broncos last year, the Broncos would have been better. Just flat out straight up that is what it is Adam Gase Cody wasn't probably the best offensive coordinator Peyton Manning went out there and kind of took the reins of that offense and said look we're going to run things the way that I run them and Peyton was good enough at the time to do those kinds of things and he didn't need anybody telling him what to do the same did not work for Russell Wilson he needs the right system to be in he I'm not saying he's a, a puppet out there being controlled by the puppet master but look Quarterback was a major area of weakness for the Broncos last year. Russell Wilson was the primary quarterback. And I think until proven otherwise, it remains the biggest weakness on the team. I think it can be one of the biggest strengths. I think that's a fair point. And I, I think we have to put everything into context about the sport of football, right? It's not a, a single player game. It's, it's 11 versus 11. 
and I know some people are going to listen to the show and think we're bagging on Russ. We've been probably the the one outlet I would say that has been objectively fair on Russell Wilson and has supported Russ through all the criticism. Like we've provided our fair levels of criticism and we have blatantly said on the show, he does not deserve all of the blame for what happened last year, but he deserves some of it. And I think that that's not, that's not a bad thing. Like that that's acknowledgement. That's being a professional. And I, I love the point that you made about everybody needing a coach. Like for example, when I first got into podcasting and doing this stuff, Guess what? I wasn't great at it. I had to learn. I had to get coached up by some people, you know, by people above us are saying, hey, you know, you do a good job with this, but here's where you can improve. Like, we're always open to that. And if you don't have that, I mean, that's a fixed mindset. Russell Wilson is the epitome of a growth mindset. This is a guy who's literally trying to find any advantage possible to make sure that he can still play at the highest level. And having a good coach is not a bad thing. Look at how good of a player Patrick Mahomes is, right? Mahomes is a great football player. But do you think that he benefits even more by having a really good coach in Andy Reid? Absolutely. Every every great player in the NFL benefits from that. Look at Patrick Sertan, Dustin Simmons. They benefit from having a great defensive back coach as well in Christian Parker. It's not just, okay, this is the guy. Like if Russell Wilson has success this year, he's going to be responsible for them because he's the one who's going out there. But you can also have assistance from a coach who's putting you in a position to succeed. And unfortunately, that was not the case in Denver last year with the entire offense. And so I agree with you. I think that that is a great case to be made quarterback, maybe until proven otherwise. And it's not necessarily an indictment, but it's just, Hey, Denver needs more from the quarterback position. Sean Payton was brought in specifically to bring out more from Russell Wilson and put him in a position to succeed, which unfortunately did not happen last year. And also not only that, just the offense in general, the offensive line, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. Sean Payton is coming in to put his hands and his fingerprints all over the operation here. And he's going to need Russell Wilson and Russell Wilson's going to need Sean Payton. Not in a way that Russ is going to be dependent upon Sean Payton in order to succeed. Russ is a good quarterback. He's a great quarterback. He's been a great quarterback throughout his entire career. He's not just suddenly fallen off and he's no longer a good quarterback. He just had a bad year, right? Let's see how things play out this upcoming season. And Broncos country, look, I, I think it's a widely debated topic. You look on message boards, you look on social media, you look at comment sections here. Russ is an easy punching bag for so many people, but I think that there is a lack of overall conversation and the missing context that we often see from national media outlets on that. We try to bring as much of that context possible to the forefront here on the podcast. So we appreciate you for all your interaction, your discussion, your debates, because it makes the show exactly what it is. Do you agree with Sarah and I that maybe quarterback right now for this team might be the offense's biggest positional weakness heading into the season? Not necessarily due to performance, but question marks. Can Russ get back to who he was? That is the question we're going to leave you with here on today's episode of Lockdown Broncos. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in, watching us on YouTube, or listening to us wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate you so much. If you love the show, if you're a first-time listener or watcher, hit that subscribe or follow button so you never miss out on daily Denver Broncos news, content, coverage, and more. I go to every practice in Dove Valley. I go to every game, and Sarah and I, we break it all down for you every single day all year long. Thank you so much. Broncos country. Enjoy your weekend for all you everydayers out there. Here's what you can expect on Monday's episode of the show. We're going to take a look. Who are the biggest X factor players for the Broncos on offense, on defense, and on special teams. Monday's episode. That's just for you. We got it in the pressure cooker, but we'll see you next time here for a brand new episode. Locked on Broncos.